The Prostate Cancer Foundation proclaims they are the world's leading philanthropic organization funding and accelerating prostate cancer research. A statement in their 2022 patient guide reads, Prostate cancer is the second most diagnosed type of cancer in men. Only number two, they say? Prostate cancer just might be number one with an established proactive national screening program. Paraphrasing another statement in their guide, there is an active debate around prostate cancer screening, and some people are concerned increased PSA screening leads to overtreatment and unnecessary side effects. Some people, they say? Who are these some people standing in the way of screening all men? Gentlemen, the most serious side effects are when you do not screen for prostate cancer. Hello, and welcome to Prostate Cancer Lessons and today's topic, Smarter PSA Screening, with our guest, Jeff Mayhack. Jeff is a fellow prostate cancer patient and patient advocate. I am your host, Murray Keith Wadsworth. Jeff, thank you for joining us today and for what I believe will be the most important episode in this series. Hey, Keith, thanks so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Um, after reading your book, Sheep or Wolf, and uh, it just brought so much to light on so many of the topics that we need to dive into, and screening is definitely at the top of the list. Um, part of it is, um, according to your book, is tracking you down. So where are you at right now? <laughs> Our question, and a bit of a heads up uh, to you in the audience. I'm in Great Basin National Park in eastern Nevada. Uh, my Grandchildren and their mom and dad are on the way. They'll be here in a couple of hours. It may get slightly noisy uh, as it's Saturday afternoon and people are scrambling for last minute campgrounds that I'm on a pretty rough dirt road and they have to pull up the hill. So we may have to pause for a moment, but we'll get through that briefly. Uh, but I'm talking to you today on the Starlink Internet system. So that's where I be. Right now it's quiet and I've got my solar all charged up so everything should work fine. All right, uh, Jeff, let's let's delve right in. And, and folks, a heads up, uh, Jeff and I are very passionate about this new smarter PSA screening for all men. Uh, for you see, Jeff and I face metastatic prostate cancer that likely could have been avoided with smarter screening. Instead, we face a cancer that is most likely incurable and may well kill us both, unless, of course, something else does first. Jeff, is that about right? Uh, definitely fits where I'm at, for sure. So a strong message to you all about why we believe so much about smarter screening, which we did not get to do. So let's go over what smarter screening is. Last year in my ongoing research, I stumbled onto a YouTube video with a Dr. Matt Cooperberg. He is a professor of urology at the University of California, San Francisco. In his presentation is what he calls smarter screening, smarter treatment. And this begins with screening all men in their 40s, because as Dr. Cooperberg says, PSA begins to get muddy as we get into our 50s and older. And in this smarter screening, they're looking for a PSA value of 1.0 nanograms per ml or less. That's from the blood test. And when the PSA is greater than one, and this applies to all ages, further investigations are needed. 
It's not a time to panic, but we want to do further investigations. In his PowerPoint presentation, Dr. Cooperberg lists the many additional investigative tools men have available today. On the blood test side, it's the PSA velocity and doubling time, free versus total, PSA density, pro-PSA, iso-PSA, the four-score blood test that uses biomarkers. There's now urinary biomarkers. And folks, ask your doctor if any of these may be useful to you as a further investigative tool. I was aware of one or two of the older ones, uh, Jeff, but I didn't use any of them. Did you? No, you know, actually, I had some concerns at about, uh, about 46 and I went in, but there were no guidelines. There were no screening guidelines. In fact, the guidelines during that time until 2018 were no screening of asymptomatic men. So another one of the newer investigative tools that Dr. Cooperberg lists is the multiparametric MRI. I actually had one of these. I had my first one uh, done over in England, and that was pretty much eight years ago. I found out they were around, but they just weren't being used, and they're really still not being used much today. They're not common, so men, they are something you can ask for. Jeff, did you get the multiparametric MRI before your biopsy? No, you know, what's interesting is when you talk about that, I, I had read about that and I asked my healthcare provider, I said, hey, this is, seems to be the kind of the gold standard of uh, better discovery and better tools. And his comment was, that's not noted. And I didn't understand what that really meant at the time. And it was, it's not their standard of practice. When I came back to the U.S. and asked my urologist about it, he's like, oh, yeah, we could do one of those. So he knew about it, too, but he didn't ever mention it to me. They're critical before the biopsy. I was fortunate to have had mine before the biopsy. It had provided us with a lot of information. Another one of the newer tests the doctor talks about in his PowerPoint is genomic testing. I first learned about this in England as well. It was not covered in the U.S., so I had to self-pay, but it turned out to be not too expensive. Uh, my doctor knew about it, but again, it wasn't common practice. Jeff, did you do genomic testing? No, uh, that I did not. Uh, the I was only offered genetic testing. Uh, which is where they look for some of the actual genetics that you carry in your body that could be passed on from family member to family member. But they never did any genomic testing on my prostate cancer itself. Again, still not standard practice. Uh, gentlemen, it comes into play after your biopsy, and it gives you a ranking of low risk to medium risk to high risk. So it's another information piece. Uh, the last tool that was talked about that is new in the whole medical field for prostate cancer is the PSMA PET-CT. I have had these all much later after diagnosis and after several treatment attempts. There is some talk of using them as part of the investigative tool before the first treatment is decided upon. I presume, Jeff, you did not have a PSMA PET before your first treatment decision. Um, unfortunately, no, it was, it was only offered after surgery and my cancer returned, at that point, they decided to do further investigation and see what was missed. So again, it's still not standard practice, even for men facing recurrence. It's one of the things that we have to ask for. Jeff, before we discuss our screening failures, let's touch briefly on the, the DRE, the digital rectal exam, the finger up the bum. I learned too late that the all clear doesn't mean that there's no cancer. It just means the doctor didn't feel 
the cancer that may have been there, which was my case. I had a different procedure done in England where they had me lay on the table and they rolled me around and they were trying to get the prostate gland to turn or rotate a little bit. Prior to that, I was always just put your elbows on the table and drop your pants. So drop your pants first, I suppose. My doctor in the US would always say you're clear, but he was just actually saying, I don't feel anything. Gentlemen, when that's all clear, we need to be careful on that because it's not necessarily inclusive of no cancer. Jeff, did you want to comment on the bum or and the finger up the bum or? You know, again, unfortunately, Keith had such a, a late discovery because during the time I had concerns, uh, they weren't screening. Um, there was recommendation to not screen. And okay. so mine was, um, the doctor said he felt he was about 85% sure there was something going on. So I never got any of the screening guidelines that we're talking about. And that's why I'm so adamant about it and, and having the opportunity to, to screen properly instead of just showing up late, late to the game and facing metastatic disease. Very much to this question of how did we miss out on early detection? As millions of men do, they miss out. It's, it's really quite simple. And it's a, it's a national and an international tragedy. And that's that we face our metastatic prostate cancers because of the failures, the failures of the national screening guidelines, standard clinical practices, and all, and all the misinformation surrounding this most common disease, that it's an old man's disease, it's not a disease to worry about. The guidelines are not just wrong, they're deadly wrong. So Jeff, I know you've done a deep dive. You were not screening because you were asymptomatic. How did you stumble into knowing you had prostate cancer? It was one of the worst. Um, <clears throat> one of the worst times of my life. <laughs> I happened to call it get lucky and discover advanced uh, disease by an online test. So. I hadn't had a blood test in, in quite some time. A lot of healthcare these days definitely doesn't necessarily perform an annual uh, exam. So, and, and then with the screening guidelines, there's, there's nothing out there anyways, even if you were doing it for anybody under my age. But I happened to order this online blood test that included a PSA test. And when I had checked with my healthcare provider, I'm like, hey, I want to check and see you know, are these tests covered? And I, I, I went over each test with the my healthcare provider and, and I got down the last one. I said, hey, this PSA one, that is um, something about prostate cancer screening. And I'm like, and she says, oh, that's not covered. And I said, what? I said, you got, you got to be kidding me. Hold so they don't consider discovering prostate cancer preventive care? And she said no. And so it, it came down to whether I was going to go with a uh, pay three hundred and fifty dollars to my healthcare provider plus an office visit of one hundred and fifty bucks, or just go through this online company. And I did, and I had no clue at the time that because I, I didn't feel anything, I didn't have any symptoms that I knew of. Um, I was still very fit, quick, active. Quick, quick, quick question. Okay, quick question here. The online test that you ordered, was it just PSA or did you order a package? 
No, it was it was a package. It was a package. So yeah, because because the yeah, and I, I'll, I'll I can explain some of that too. But the so it was this whole package. You know, it's kind of like a men's wellness check in it, and and so it's going to be about five hundred bucks to go through my healthcare provider. But this package online was like 350 bucks. So it made sense. And then I was uh, sharing with my girlfriend. I said, hey, look, everything's good to great. And I got down to the last page and it said PSA 15.2 out of range. And that's where I started diving in. Or How did I miss cancer? I didn't feel anything. I, I didn't have anything that was that felt really off. And that's when I learned. I started digging in deeper and deeper into the screening guidelines and, and come to find out, I mean, even, even the PSA test is super cheap. I mean, you can get it through an online for like 40 bucks. So it's, it's not that it's some crazy expensive test to, to kind of give you um, like the check engine light on your car. <laughs> That's what your PSA test is. It's like, hey, something's going on and, and, and you need to figure out what's going on. Okay, apologize for that internet hiccup. Jeff, you you were doing a general wellness blood check and up pops the PSA and then that leads to you having a pretty serious cancer, correct? Yeah, it did. I I um sent my results over to my primary care physician who was kind of shocked how I had <laughs> um gotten the test. And then he sent that over, or, or I'm sorry, he ordered another test. And in a month, it went from 15.2 to 15.9. You and I both ended up in the same place with a metastatic cancer. The difference is I was actually screening. I started doing annual wellness checks in my 40s because I was a divorced father and sole provider for my two young children. So we did this large battery of tests every year. The PSA was confusing at times. I ended up having a, a false biopsy, they said. And because of all of the information around overdiagnosis, overtreatment, your PSA rises, my doctor and I were super complacent. And we missed the warning sign that my PSA was rising because sometimes it would drop. And the guidelines said not to worry. And the DREs that we already talked about were clear. So we kept our head down, and had I been doing smarter screening, because my PSA was well above one, I was three, four, and even into the fives, we would have been on top of mind years earlier. And then it was not until I was living and working in England that we did my annual checkup, and the doctor there did a different DRE, and he sent me off to the MRI, and then it was, you got pretty serious cancer, buddy. So we both ended up in the same place at a very different road. You were not screening because the guidelines said don't screen. I was screening on my own, but ignoring certain warning signs because the, basically the guidelines and the general clinical practices were don't worry about it. So here we are because we followed the guidelines. We missed our metastatic prostate cancers, as do almost all the men who find themselves with serious cancer. Jeff, we've shared how the current screening guidelines failed us both. And I know you've done a very deep dive into this. How is it that our healthcare system failed us on screening and is today failing so many men? 
Well, you, you know, Keith, it's, as we've discussed, it's, it's, it's not an easy one to diagnose, but if you really follow um, the smarter screening, I, I believe we can make some tremendous progress. Um, the guidelines back in, in at 2008 uh, by the uh, United States Preventive Services Task Force was do not screen asymptomatic men or men 75 and older asymptomatic. So then we had the Affordable Care Act, or some people refer to it as Obamacare. And that had some stipulations that had intent to help people. And that was preventive care recommendations by the USPSTF that were an A or a B needed to be covered by the healthcare provider with no cost sharing. So PSA test, I mean, like I say, retails $40. Obviously, it's a very inexpensive test. But I believe because of the prevalence of prostate cancer, they then came out in 2012 and made a recommendation to not screen men of all ages. Jeff, you say they came out. Tell us again who they are. Uh, there's, there's a group of 16 doctors that are part of the U.S. PSDF, United States Preventive Services Task Force. They're appointed um, by the federal government at Health and Human Services uh, to serve as advisors on this board, but they have great protection by serving on this board. The recommendation came out to not screen men of all ages for prostate cancer in 2012. And there's further studies that have been coming out that show that that recommendation is in direct correlation to the increase of 41% of metastatic disease being discovered at the time of diagnosis. It's quite shocking, isn't it, that the data is clear of how prevalent this, this disease is. The data is clear that many of us are found to be metastatic. And had we done earlier smarter screening, we would have found this cancer much earlier and greatly improved our chances to be cured. And yet today our guidelines don't support screening all men. And then we get all of this misinformation of it's an old man's disease or it's the good disease or it's a slow disease or don't worry about it. Jeff, do you have any hope that we're going to see a real change in the screening guidelines in the near future? Keith, you know, I think we really need to just get the message out there and really empower men to start practicing smarter screening. Um, the, even the current guidelines that were set in 2018, I mean, they're so vague. And I mean, they're nothing new. It's kind of like, hey, um, you know, when you're 55, maybe have a conversation with your doctor um, about screening and see if screening is right for you. And it, it, it doesn't, they don't discuss any of the intermediate and high risk disease that depending upon your age, especially if you're in your forties, even in your fifties, it's very, I fully feel it's very right for you to screen because the, as we've both seen 
when you get into advanced stage prostate cancer, it's ugly. Um, a lot of times it's going to be bone mets, um, possible mets into the lungs and things like that when you start getting into the distant metastasis. So we need to screen so that, so that we can catch the intermediate and high-risk disease. Um, if we do start catching those, it's going to provide a better quality of life for those who walk in our shoes. Well said. So, man, our message is your doctor's not likely to encourage you to screen early or which would be in your 40s or early 50s. May not encourage you to screen at all if you don't have a family history, if you don't check certain boxes on race. And they may tell you not to worry about it. And a lot of the information out there tells you not to worry about it or, or to worry about side effects of treatment. When in fact, the number of us men in our 50s and some even in their 40s who are progressing towards distant metastasis, which is the incurable stage, we're being missed because we're not screening. So you can drive this on your own. You can tell your doctor you want to screen. You want the PSA. You might want the MRI. Bring this along yourself because the guidelines are not there for us to have early screening or refer back to this Dr. Cooperberg in early screening. Well, okay. Keith, Keith, you know, with that, with that said, um, you know, technically I didn't fit any of the boxes. My age didn't fit the box. Right. My, my race didn't fit the box. Um, my family history didn't fit the box. My symptoms didn't fit the box. And here I am uh, with a stage four metastatic cancer that's only being controlled right now by hormone treatment. And, uh, it, it's, 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 not, it's not a fun road. Agreed. In my riff today, I want to say, I find it shocking that men still face the same overwhelming misinformation and misguidance I faced when I began screening, as far as my records show back in 1998, just last month on September 4th, the wall street journal published an article by a Brianna Abbott titled, When Screening for Prostate Cancer Comes Too Late. And this article shares the all too common sad outcome of not screening for this disease. Then in seeming support of this article, it was featured on the Zero Prostate Cancer Charity website. It's a very large charity. And the CEO and President Courtney Bugler in her introduction to the article supported screening including this shocking statement, a man dies from prostate cancer every 15 minutes in the United States. But then she went on to write this about early screening. The challenge lies in balancing the risks of overdiagnosis with the opportunity to detect and treat the disease effectively. Well, frankly, I mean her no disrespect, but she's wrong. With all the diagnostic tools available today, there is no need to be concerned for the risk of overdiagnosis or overtreatment from a simple blood test. Gentlemen, if you face resistance from your doctor or your health insurance, what you can do is do a self-directed PSA screening for, through services such as request a test, 
walk-in lab, or directly with LabCorp and Quest Diagnostics. Doing this simple test may well save you from facing metastatic prostate cancer. Uh, Jeff, you want to add anything there? Um, yeah, screen. You know, it, it's, it's your right to be informed. It's your, your right to make the decision to um, be your own advocate. Everybody says be your own advocate. And this is, this is a disease that, that's definitely not in favor of early detection. The only way you're going to have the opportunity is to screen. Um, screening at least gives you the opportunity to catch it early. And then it's up to you how you decide to handle it and manage it from there. But if you leave it up to the guidelines, um, I, I really don't want to see other men walk in my shoes and show up with a late late diagnosis um, that went in a matter of 15 months from diagnosis uh, to, to stage four uh, metastatic. Even though it's regional, it's in a lymph node in the pelvis. Um, there, there's no known cure for the cancer I have at this point. Jeff, as we wrap up, thank you for your excellent contribution and your very clear message. Do you have any final thoughts? You know, back again to it, screen final thoughts. Um, it's it's sad as I, I share my story, a message with, with other men who are metastatic, who've had a late stage diagnosis and, and the words acceptable loss come up. And unfortunately, there is that factor built into um, trying to figure out what's the right path. And the right path is to screen so you can catch it early. Then you can choose your path, how you go from there. Um, go walking blindly into guidelines that are not designed for early detection. Um, it's, it's disastrous. And, and I'm here to tell you, you have to screen. All right. Thank you for that. Uh, again, thank you, Jeff, for joining us today. All the best to you and all the best to all of us. Thank you. And now, because it is necessary, I shall read a statement from my book that has been slightly edited for this podcast series. Please do listen to the end. If you are in need of expert medical advice or assistance, you should seek it from a source or physician of your choice. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay seeking professional medical advice because of something you hear in this podcast. This podcast is about the host and his guest's medical journeys with prostate cancer. The listener is advised that the host and his patient guest are not medically trained. The podcast does not provide medical, psychological, financial, or other professional advice or services, and it is not intended or should be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The host has not received any remuneration for mentioning any tests, positions, institutions, products, or procedures. The hosts and guest references are provided for information purposes only and do not constitute endorsement of any product, medical procedure, 
website, or other information sources. Reliance on any information provided by the host or his guest in this podcast is solely at your own risk. With that out of the way, I welcome you to subscribe to the podcast series and to reach out to me, if you like, on my author website, www.sheeporwolfcancer.com. My social media presence is primarily on Facebook at Prostate Cancer Sheep or Wolf. And you can learn more about my book on Amazon, as well as other book resellers. Thank you for listening, and all the best to all of us. In closing, memento mori, just not from prostate cancer. Thank you.